Hello everyone, I am excited to be here. This is Phantoms of the Silver Screen Podcast. I am one of two hosts, Jumpy, and the other host is... I am Rip. Welcome to another exciting episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen. We are hyped, we uh, are full of goosebumps. This is, if you guessed it because you read the title, it is... (laughs) Episode 4, Season 1 of Archive 81. This is our recap. It's called Spirit Receivers. I'm super hyped. I I really badly want to watch Episode 5. Me too. Insanely jealous of everyone else who gets (laughs) to watch it. Because I I would have just hit next. It's taking a lot of willpower not to cancel this podcast (laughs) right now and just watch Season 5. Because that was one hell of an episode. Like... It's it's the halfway point, and I needed this episode to be ridiculous, and it was. Well, it delivered. <laughs> it, it delivered. It freaking delivered. Because this was ridiculous, yeah. ridiculously entertaining. <laughs> um, I don't get the plot wasn't ridiculous. It was good. It was believable. <laughs> it had me rolling my eyes, and then like sitting on the edge of my seat when things started to happen. It was just like, oh yeah, I'm sure she's a medium, and then like some. When the shit goes down, we're going to get into it. Then I was like, oh, it's real. <laughs> I, I can't believe what we saw today. Oh, I believe she was a medium. I believed. I didn't at first. Now I do. <laughs> if not, she's a she's selling that role, that f- fiction that she's trying to sell really well. Dedication. Oh, man. All of it. Every single, every single thing was, was gold. Uh, they're zeroing in, even answering some questions we have. Um, and, you know, all our little predictions we tried to come up with in the past couple episodes, we... Um, some of them are paying off. Yeah. Uh, Rip had this brilliant idea that that uh, our titular character, Dan, right? Yes, Dan. That Dan was hopping through time interacting with melody and i was like nah you're crazy all right get real <laughs> it's not true but he is seemingly hopping through time well they're not have, just hopping through time but like they have a they have a was it it they normally i don't know if they normally call it a choke point but there is that there's a point right how can they communicate with each other there's no point in anywhere they could that could make sense but just in dreams yeah in dreams and um yeah (laughs) in both their dreams they're communicating with each other and I think you and I came up with that in the last episode Mm -hmm. but yeah we we finally got that confirmation and I I love that idea where it's like if there is going to be spirits if those are a real thing that roam around why would they care about time like time wouldn't matter to them so they could just kind of exist beyond that and you can communicate them but you don't really know when you're communicating with them yeah it's cool it's a great idea i like that they're doing it i didn't see it coming and i i'm I'm enjoying the ride obviously because you know usually we jump through a big review of everything step by step pretending we don't know anything but we're too excited and we just jumped right into it yeah we should probably review and before we just go off the handle Uh, off the rails already we already talked about the the cool things but like in all episodes it starts off with something 
out of left field, something you're not expecting, a commercial, mostly commercials right now, right? The first episode yeah. was the was the found footage of Melody and the what well, we assume the final scene of her documentary of her fighting for her life. But mm-hmm. we um but that gets paid yep. off. And in these episodes, it's usually a commercial in the beginning, but they tie into the story and very well. And it's always like, oh, how are they going to tie this in? That doesn't make sense. And like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So this one. I'll tell you something from that first flashback. Hmm. Um, her getting surrounded by those people, it definitely didn't look like a fire. That, that didn't look like <laughs> she died in a fire. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. There was no fire. But... Mm-hmm. And we know Jess is a big component in that. <laughs> but we start off with a kind of it's not a commercial but it it definitely is like a advertisement of some sort for uh, Christie's Auction House and this is from 1988 they are selling Eleanor Waller's estate she is a post-war artist born in London and her and her sister were known as spirit receivers. Um, uh, they are artists that doubled as mediums. So, um, and I've heard about this, like people who just get in contact with the the other side and they all paint what they can. I've seen some like gnarly stuff of like, um, like a, a leprechaun being painted like a leprechaun looking thing and it's like mm. is that what's on the other side but uh interesting yeah, just leprechauns <laughs> um i saw look- some weird imagery of like the illuminati and other occult things that were flashing before my eyes okay. during that yeah like i definitely saw the the whole triangle with the eye in the middle uh, the bill cipher if you're familiar <laughs> with gravity falls like that was definitely on the screen um, and then I just saw some other weird stuff. Like I don't know what I saw. I saw maybe like an audience looking at a demon. Like it was it was a lot of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it flashed by really quick, so you didn't really get to see a lot of it. But it was it was very weird imagery, and it reflected in the artwork of this artist. Um, you said it was what Eleanor Eleanor Wall? Waller, yeah, Wall. And a lot of important, a lot of shots of what they're selling, um. A nude portrait of her sister Cassandra. Um, Strange. Yes. If it's her sister, but it's. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, uh, different jewelry we get. We get uh, pitchforks that. Um, that tuning forks. Yes, tuning forks. Yes. That they used for that. Um, and w- one thing that kind of gets over like just kind of we get a glimpse of it it's the um, the box with the statue on it the box with the same symbol that's outside the visitor right now mm-hmm. because and- i think that these things are just going to show up and become super relevant i'm going to list a few of the other things there was also like a pin of a shooting star mm-hmm. a bowl that had human teeth yes and like some other stuff into it but it was made with Human teeth. <laughs> Disgusting. I wouldn't want to eat cereal out of that. 
<laughs> and then, like you were saying, all the other stuff. The painting of her nude sister in quotations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is uh, where we learn that <coughs> the her sister is Cassandra, the, um, the woman that walked into the convenience store, looked mm-hmm. straight at Dan, told him to stay out, grabbed him through the monitor and started choking him. And he woke he up. He reached through time. Yes. And grabbed him. Um, so, we're back and Dan has, like, continues having hallucinations of this. Like, just keeps seeing the image over and over in his head of the, the woman coming out and grabbing his neck. Which I don't blame him. That's some creepy shit. But um, I would do. <laughs> just obsess about it. Probably quit. And he, um, at this point, it's every time is not his friend anymore. He he needs answers right away because everything is everything's just getting weird. He's seeing, um, he's communicating with Melody in his dreams, but then whatever he's saying is showing up in the footages, which doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah <laughs> so he's just in his head a lot so he uh needs answers asap and to get those answers he needs to go into the basement luckily for him he has that um footage that seven hour footage of just the hallway uh playing constantly for when we saw virgil has feet of the entire house so he is trying every number. He's trying to break into it. The glass is unbreakable. He is, uh, yeah, he's just frustrated. And the, the last thing he can do is take a picture of it and call up his friend Mark and see if he can help, which he does. Because Mark's super helpful and a great best friend. Yeah. Except, you know, he didn't but, pick up the phone. So it went straight to voicemail. He's ha- He has a life, right? He <laughs> can't be available all the time. He's going to get it back to him. Yeah. He's going to call back. Which he, he, has does. A he does. award-winning podcast to run. <laughs> oh. In his father's studio, apparently. So Mark leaves his message. Mark leaves his, like, um, just his, like, his thought process. Obviously leaving out the important details, right? Mm-hmm. Of communicating with Melody and seeing her. But he um he hangs up the phone, looks up and we just see his eyes widened. And he's out in the snow during the day and he just sees Melody right in front of him. And she starts talking to him. It's like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Because they've met before in dreams. So she's like, she knows him. It's like an old friend. Yeah, and they... This scene is super surreal for me. Mm-hmm. And it confirmed what we were thinking earlier for me. Like, this is one too many sequences where he's talking to Melody for it to be a dream. I mean, he just made a phone call. It's broad daylight. He's out in the open. Like, it can't just be another dream. He didn't fall asleep. If if they cut this scene and showed him in a bed waking up again, mm-hmm. I'd have been frustrated. But they didn't do that this time. Nope. 
So him and Melody are talking and things get real interesting. What do they talk about? Um, just like he starts communicating with her about um, just asking her everything. But she is like, oh, we met at the convenience store. And he's like, you can't be here. This is, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know? Um, She's like, where are we? And he's like, you tell me. Yeah. And you could tell Melody is very confused. And he's like trying to bridge that gap. And hmm. I think a part of him still doesn't believe what's going on. He's like, yeah, I'm probably going insane here. Or I'm being haunted by her. And that's what we get from this conversation. The important thing that comes out of this conversation is that when it ends, it ends with the groundskeeper calling attention to him. Mm. So he turns around, he sees her. She is somebody, bro. She We've seen her. Yes, for sure. She is part of that, that crew. She's like one of, like, I want to, is she Tamara? She, she's one of those people. Or she could be T. Bellows. She could be T. Bellows. That's actually very good. I Actually, that's that's probably what it is. <laughs> but um, we'll talk about that later. Who mm-hmm. is T. Bellows? Um, it's a groundskeeper. One important, like, one thing that quickly catches the audience and our boy Dan is that it's nighttime. It Your boy was, was standing out there all day. Confirmed by the groundskeeper. She's like, you were just standing there for several hours. Like and, you were going for your morning run. <laughs> and he just stood there. What's important is that she never mentioned that it didn't. It's like, oh, it didn't look like you were talking to anybody. Just that he was this, just standing there. This makes me nervous that they've discovered his whole, I'm putting the cameras on a loop thing. Probably. Because when she reports back, she's going to be like, yeah, he was in the forest. And they're like, I don't know about that because my forest cam says everything's fine. Also, the forest cam says that it's not snowing. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> no, like, I don't think I, he has a forest. Uh, he's hij- He only hijacks that hallway in the basement. Okay. Which is good. Okay. Because nothing's going to be smart. Him. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is why he was not afraid to break that window. Mm. But that was a man on a desperate attempt to get information for sure mm-hmm. so she uh the groundskeeper um tells him he's been standing there for several hours and she immediately she's like do you need mental health like somebody to talk to and he's like no no, no I'm, I'm good i'm good and you know jumpy and i are screaming at the screen like yeah get some help dude <laughs> but get out of this situation like you don't even have to talk to their dude like go out and find your own person and talk to because mm-hmm. it's too much but he gets back and immediately gets a phone call from virgil his his guide right yeah dante's guide is uh to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a call from virgil the obviously rich man yeah. and he's just like hey i need you to do some work, guy. I'm not paying you to sit on your ass. You didn't do anything today. I need some tapes. He didn't phrase it like that. Obviously, he phrased it very cryptically, and he's just like giving him a big story about his paper route and how he pulled himself up from his bootstraps or whatever BS he was trying to say. And he need he's like work at work ethic. 
is the main idea. Get to work. If you need help, if you need someone to talk to, we can get that for you. If you need me to give you a B12 shot and he's like, do not give me any injections. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'll get to work right now. Bye. And he hangs up. Yeah. And we actually see. Actually, we don't see it, but I feel like Virgil was upset yeah. when he hung up. I'm sure. Virgil's concerned. <laughs> um. But Dan, I mean, that that was the spur that Dan needed because he gets right to work. He puts his gloves on. He gets, gets to crack in that tape. I would have. No, don't touch those videos at night. <laughs> one t- that tape that he saw before would make me never look at another tape again yeah well dan's on a quest right <laughs> mm-hmm. so spiritual journey some would say he wants the truth is what he wants mm-hmm. so he he wants melody bro <laughs> yeah they have a mutual attraction to each other into that they do so but it's unnatural because <laughs> she's too old for him yeah and her time, yes. And and, and dead. <laughs> That's true. Probably. Oh, well, uh, he pops up another tape, opens that sucker up, and it's a video of Melody and Annabelle going to interview Cassandra, which Ooh. we were just like, fuck that. <laughs> Don't talk to that girl, to that woman. Nope. Um, Not needed. So... I like their their interaction. Um, it's very friendly. They they seem to have gotten a lot closer. Yeah. In between tapes, she's like giving her, you know, things that she could do to help with her anxiety. Like, oh, do you want me to give you like Flintstone vitamins, but yeah. only Barney? Like, she she's just making jokes. Yeah. Little inside jokes, and it seems to be working. So I I just feel like their oh, yeah, relationship right. has evolved a little bit. Right. This is the that's right. This is before they go off for that interview. This is. Uh, Jess and Melody interacting. Yeah. That's what I forgot. Yeah, so we got mm-hmm. Jess and Melody interacting, which is cute. It's good. Yeah. Like Chubby They're having said. a good time. She mentions that she should read the Secrets of Nim book, uh, book or movie. Well, it's kind of hard to tell because the movie <laughs> looks like a VHS, but she keeps saying like that she read it as a kid. I don't know. Yeah. The Disney version. What is Nim? I feel like that's a secret, and like I just don't know what a nim is. Did, did we not? I feel like we. N i m h nim. I feel like we had that question last podcast. Like I know there was a movie that involved like the word nim and involved some weird children. I saw it on a plane once, and I don't remember the plot at all anymore. It was one of those movies wow. you watch on a plane. Wow. What's a nim? I, what's a nim? This is tell not, me what's a nim. Um, Rip googled it, so yes. this might be some revelations right now. I didn't get the the definition. I didn't get the definition, but when you Google NIM, it's National Institute of Mental Health. For, for real? Yes, which makes fucking sense, right? <laughs> Secrets of NIM is, I mean, that's one hell of a coincidence because I doubt that's. I can't be what they were going for. It's a kid's mouse movie, and it's about secrets of National Institute of Mental Health. That can't be it. There's something about this movie, though. Is it a real movie? Yeah, this is a Disney movie. that they're, they're... This is a real Disney movie. Okay. Yeah. Secrets of Nim. Um, the review for that is coming up next week. Don't worry about it. <laughs> secrets of Nim. I mean, I have to. I have to see what's going on. 
It's a real movie, guys. Uh, Rip was not joking. That's wild. I can't believe that. Uh, I think that's Nine? part. No, yeah, that's part of. That's part of the movie. I think For we got real. We got a because they were experimenting on the. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I can already feel my <laughs> my significant other yelling at me through the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't see Move the, on. You didn't see the movie? How dare you? Um, but yeah. it's 1982. It was made in 1982. Right? It was way before my time. Okay. So it's National Institute of Mental Health is uh, is important because that is what this whole show is about. Melody has yeah. mental uh, the um, mental disorder from her childhood and has. And then has it from the mental shopping. issues. Yeah. So they talk about that stuff. They talk about the little book. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the movie that's apparently about mental health. <laughs> and then Jess is just like, I don't have time to, you know, watch that movie or anything or eat Flintstone vitamins, weirdo. I have science homework to do. Yeah. So she's an extra credit science project on comets. Yes. And. I forgot the name of it, but uh, Comet Caron, Caron, something. Like yeah, that. it's like K A H A R O N. No, Caron. Yeah, Caron. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know what that is. It's I'm important. sure it's real. It's, it's fucking important for sure. They don't just toss shit around. That's what I love about this show is that they, no. if they accentuate uh, something for a little bit longer. And it, it's not just passing. It's like, eh, yeah, this comment, you know, it's important. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's a comment that's been forgot about. People were used to write songs about this comment. But for whatever reason, they stopped because probably becomes insignificant. Melody makes a joke about oh, poor comment. And then Jess has to be like, eh, comments aren't people. So get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> so I could do my homework. But. Sam, this, this, the guy we yeah. don't trust, bought her a telescope and is going to watch that comet with her in mm-hmm. a couple weeks. That Crazy. sounds like... I think a couple weeks yeah. is when Melody bites it, like she's done. That's when that fire hits, baby. That's when that fire happens. Sure, <laughs> let's call it a fire. <laughs> um... I also like when Melody's like, oh, my God, sounds lonely being a comet. And Jess is like, they're space rocks, Melody. Relax. <laughs> right? It's just it's just science. So this cues Annabelle to come in. And she's all like, hey, our interview is coming. Let's get ready. Let's go. So they go. And this is where they start talking to Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Ah, Annabelle. That was important. Some things to talk about Annabelle too. There's so much that happens here, yeah. guys. You don't even. You're not even ready. All right, we're only like <laughs> minutes in. Crazy. We're what not happens even ready. Here. We're clearly. Not I'm ready. not ready. Um, I so, haven't. I, this is something that needs to digest in your mind, and I haven't had a chance. So, they're in Cassandra's house. They start interviewing her. She starts telling the story of how her and her sister have moved to this hotel. Um. Her sister, sorry, apartment uh, building. Apartment building. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. And her sister had like an eye for the spiritual, so there was a reason they chose that apartment uh, building 
but uh, Cassandra kind of hints that she's not as in tuned as it, as her sister was, right? Mm. So, so yeah, uh, everything gets you know that was in the commercial gets brought. So we were so that commercial in the beginning paid off immediately. So that was cool. We see those um, those melodic pitchforks. We see the um, we see a tiara. We see the painting of Cassandra, uh, and she's wearing the same pendant that um, mm-hmm. that she's wearing in the painting. So that's cool. So that's how you know it's her, right? Um, and you know, Annabelle's messing around. She's putting on a tiara, like, hey, hey what's up? And Cassandra admits that. She has all these things up for auction, but she couldn't help. She couldn't bring it herself to do it because, you know, she loved her sister dearly. It's at this point that Melody notices the armor, the one with the same symbol in front of the building, the one that everybody at that meeting, I'm doing the air quotes with my fingers, uh, were humming to a statue. And she immediately just starts finagling it to try to open it up. Mm-hmm. Cassandra comes in and she's like, oh, yeah, I, I can't find the key. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, All she right. sneaks up on her real good. She wasn't being very subtle. Though. And neither was Melody with these questions where she's like, oh, um, This is the same box from that meeting you guys had at 12 a.m. at the, in the community center where I saw all these people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you guys did? Is this the same thing? And then she's like, "Oh, you mean the cult?" And <laughs> and then she walks away. You don't you don't walk away after saying that, <laughs> all right? This woman, Red. Um, I forgot her real name. Cassandra. Yeah. Her her name is Red. Uh, <laughs> she she says, "You mean the cult." And then walks away with no explanation. That needs a paragraph more of dialogue to explain <laughs> what she was talking about. You can't just drop it there. And she did. Melody's just dumbfounded, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Annabelle was looking at the painting of her, commented on how that's her. Um, they talk And she's about wearing it. the same necklace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she brings it back. She, um, uh, she she brings it back to like oh yeah you know something about the the spirit how talking more about how um, uh, Eleanor was really into the spiritual and how she was connecting it and she was painting through those those moments and and you know people liked it and discussed it and she's like oh is that the cult you're talking about Melody <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. you know, trying to snap back but. Melody's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. So, um, they do comment on the pendant, and it is made from Karenite, which is, she kind of glosses it like, oh yeah, they've it was ma- uh, some say it was made from the uh, comment that my sister found, something that she found, you know. Melody looks into the pendant that's made of this comet Karenite and she sees her reflection, but then she also sees like a weird flashing or like 
weird image happening to her face as she looks into it. And then it just goes back to normal. And I don't think that was a trick of the light. I think that was weird, you know, voodoo magic kind of thing happening there. Oh, yeah. And then... Whatever that weird skull thing is that we keep seeing in the, in the what's it called? The static. static yeah, yeah, in the static. That's that's that thing. <laughs> and... and you know what? When I first saw the statue at the cult meeting, I also thought it looked fuzzy and weird and like like it was moving because that was my first impression like the statue looked it looked like a statue it looked like it was made of stone but it also looked like it was moving at the same time like a blurry image like when you move your hand too fast in front of your face yeah. it looks like a blur that's what the statue looks like was it um and one more thing about the pendant it mm -hmm. was um it was painted with like a black paint that Eleanor made herself and which Cassandra just happened to have a mason jar full of it and gave it to Annabelle. So yeah, I think it's she blood. would want. <laughs> you think it's blood? I think it's something mixed with blood. They keep they keep glossing over this Karenite thing and we talked about the comment Karen coming. Mm -hmm. So I think this is it's all like obviously it's connected. A piece of it probably yeah. fell out. It's probably something's off about it. Probably opening up a portal. Whatever they got to do with Jess, it's happening in two weeks. And the this black paint is connected to all that. So. I think they're going to try and put her sister, sister in quotations, uh, Eleanor. They're going to put Eleanor's spirit into Jess because Jess is a spirit receiver. Hmm. That's an and Melody's going to try and stop it. And Melody's going to die trying. <sighs> Which sucks. Okay. I, I just I feel like that has to happen. Unless our hero Dan can give her enough info that she can change things. Um, and one more fun fact about this Karenite. Um, Karenite refers to an empire. They are known as <laughs> quote-unquote deathless people that survived a cataclysm brought on by their emperor and it said that they uh, transcend mortality really yeah sounds kooky shout out very to cult like shout out to ready steady cut for this trivia mm -hmm. didn't know that <laughs> so a lot of illuminating things. Didn't know that. Didn't know Secrets of Nim was a real thing. Didn't know Nim stood for National Forgot Institute Already of Institute Health. of Mental Health. Um, Crazy talk. Annabelle tells Melody after they leave the apartment mm -hmm. that she's a hundred percent sure that Cassandra and Eleanor were not sisters; they were lovers. And yes. the fact that the fact that like like why would she paint that picture? You know what I mean? Like Annabelle starts putting that out there. Um, what else? They get stopped by Mister Creepy Man. What's his name? The glasses. Samuel. Sam. Yeah. Samuel. Yeah. They get stopped by Samuel in the hallway. And Samuel's just like, hey, what's going on? As far as I know, things are cool. Because he doesn't know that 
Melody saw him doing the deed with Tamara after the creepy cult meeting that she also witnessed. <laughs> um, and she, Melody's just seeing him and taking it in stride. And she's just like, look, I know that you helped out Jess the other day. That was really nice of you to stop the possession and all that and getting her real help from a real doctor. Because uh, Jess did mention that she's seeing a real doctor now, which is good news. Good news. Um, but also, as the show goes on, I do think maybe she does need that, well, that hold priest on. after all. Hold on, let's not gloss over that. What? Because um, Jess said that her doctor said, oh, every time I feel anxiety, what helps is to count backwards in Japanese. That was interesting. That's We're assuming that whatever they're telling her to, to, to do is J- Japanese numbers, you know? It mm-hmm. could not be. It could be something completely different. I guess they could do that, where it's just like, hey, yeah, this is Japanese. You don't know any better. And it's like a chant or a ritual yeah, because in some other language. Sam sent her to his people, and we don't trust Sam. Of course not. Hmm. He's part of the weird cult. Yeah. But nonetheless, um, she's no longer seeing that priest who may or may not be a hero i mean i don't know the way the show is going he was probably very needed (laughs) sam says hey no big deal you know i only wish i did it sooner because i'm a hero and you should love me (laughs) and he's like by the way you got the spare key last time we should probably get that back and melody's like oh my god i'm sorry completely forgot she goes to get the key and Sam is left alone with her bestie. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Annabelle does not care. <laughs> she is not, um, she doesn't hold back. She's just like, so what's the deal about the creepy cult in the basement that you guys are chanting yeah. around a big statue? Remember that? Yeah, we know about that. The hymns of Satan that I definitely were not in my jesus christ choir or whatever some some smart she says uh she says songs that got cut from jesus christ superstar which is a popular movie (laughs) and sam diverts this by talking up talking to melody well no first he's he's trying to like he's, he's playing like i don't know what you're talking about you know this is just weird and then Melanie hops out of the 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 room, her apartment. And Sam kind of diverts this by apologizing. He's like, hey. Um, well, uh-huh. I think Sam, I think Sam got caught here because he started to ramble, but then he started to apologize and explain his relationship with Tamara. Yeah. So like, I think Melody made it very clear that they know about the cult. And not only do they know about the cult, they know what Sam did after. Because yeah. he goes on to to openly give the information unwarranted yeah. that Tamara is his ex. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got too drunk on the wine she likes. Very, you know, trying to excuse his behavior by yeah. saying drinking did it. He um, Always not a good thing. He definitely... Mm-hmm. He was just like he was trying to cover all his bases. Tomorrow's my ex. She was feeling off. We got together. He didn't. He he didn't finish thoughts. 
but the goal of what he was trying to say was that um she was we were doing stuff for her uh, for whatever she's trying to work on everybody was there that's why it seemed weird and then afterwards when we drank that wine that i got for us that night and you know it just one thing led to another but he never all right said that as coherently he was just very choppy very nervous which i think is an act and mm-hmm. he kind of just well um yeah and he turns around and walks away in like shame and i'm sure when yeah. he, and i'm sure when he cut that corner he probably smirked his ass off i don't believe that mm-hmm. fucking thing for a second Yep, he tried to apologize, but what are you gonna say when you get caught? Yeah. Um, In a cult, Melody doesn't seem super pleased with Annabelle's antics, but I'm happy someone called him out on his shit. <laughs> that may not be the wisest thing. No, probably not. But Melody is just all about brutal honesty. Yeah. But that seems to be in the end of the tape because Melody's just like had enough with me- with um Annabelle. not Melody yeah it's Melody Melody's had enough with Annabelle's antics and <laughs> Samuel's creepiness yeah. so she cuts the tape Dan's done watching the tape he turns off the monitor but he sees a reflection of Melody in it as if she's right behind him yeah. or depending on how you look at it he sees. A reflection of Melody staring back at himself because I didn't really see Dan in the reflection. I just saw Melody. Mm. Maybe she's encompassing his body, sharing his body. Maybe he's acting as a medium. Maybe, but without uh, knowing. He he kind of looks back and there's not well not kind of he he looked back, nobody was there. Mm -hmm. He looks back at the monitor. He sees himself, and. He's, he's calling a night. Fuck. <laughs> and he has... We see a flashback of him when he was younger. He was going into his sister's room because his sister was playing that weird music that no one can identify. That was his sister was playing. His dad got pissed off for her playing it. Um, He does... He didn't... He, he even... Like, where'd you even hear that? She's like, I don't know. And he got, um, that was, and that was the same day that the the house was on fire. And then. Uh, she says, um, yeah, well, like, first of all, I want to point out that she built a nice little pillow fort yes. or like blanket fort around the piano. <laughs> that was kind of cute. And then um, he goes Dan, to talk to her. Little Dan's yeah. walking in to talk to her Dan walks in to talk to her um she mentions things about ghosts which seemed a little weird she was just like yeah ghosts are everywhere and Dan's like yeah that's not true all right because dad didn't say so and she's like actually dad believes in ghosts he tells me all the time and Dan's like that's new information to me thank you (laughs) And she says that ghosts are nothing to be afraid of. Um, They're really just lost. They're just people who are lost and they don't know what to do. So you have to be patient with them because they're just scared. There's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. They're just lost people. Hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Um, It really stuck with him. I also think that it's interesting that his dad and sister died in a fire just like 
Melody presumably died in a fire. It just seems like a big coincidence. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Something strange is happening here. Yeah. But anyway, um, after that whole flashback, Dan wakes up. He was in bed, well, apparently. He, he gets woken up by the sound of a That's door true. closing and footsteps, or a door opening and footsteps. And he wakes up, sees a light on in another room, and he walks over. And he's sees somebody sitting down reading a journal. And it's Melody. Yeah. So, Melody on a on a bed reading a journal next to this box, mystery box. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, is this yours? You know? Cause uh this is interesting. You're talking about demonic possessions and cults and stuff and he's like no it's not mine in fact I've never been this is not the room I was assigned to I haven't been in here he's like oh okay Um, they have so much chemistry that Dan seems to get over the initial shock of seeing a dead woman (laughs) in his room and because they're vibing so much they just start to get um, so comfortable that they start speaking like normal yeah so very comfortable He's mm-hmm. he knows something where it's Dan definitely knows something where it's going on, but I think he's starting to um think that this is where he starts thinking that he's being haunted, right? Mm-hmm. Um at least in his demeanor. It's not confirmed yet. But he he's haunt he's getting haunted and well he that's what he th- we're assuming that's what he thinks. And they start communicating mm-hmm. with each other, right? He, mm-hmm. they, She pulls out a box, and she's like, oh, what's this? Is this yours? She's like, yeah. I haven't even thought about this in, like, a long time. Would you? Um, I think he says, like, where'd you get it? But he doesn't really... Uh, I think he thinks he's in a dream or something, so he doesn't press on. But tape is there. It's in a box. And he explains to her that um, that his dad used to find old footage and one day he found something of called The Skeleton Dance which is like an old movie and he cut together all his all Dan's favorite things of that movie and put it into one tape for him and then she's like oh, super cut yeah <laughs> super cut and Melody's like hey, what happened to it she's like oh hit it with a bat the day he passed away he i found some stuff like not the day he of but after he passed he he started learning some stuff about him and it just affected him to the point where he just uh needed to hit it with a bat to take out his aggression but it was the only thing What? what did he learn yeah and it was the only thing that uh he um, had of that his dad gave him, so he decided to keep it and keep the pieces together. Was um, he cheating? What do you think? I don't know. At this, I don't point, know either. At at this point, yeah, he probably was, or at least that's what they think. Yeah, it's something like that because nothing else would make Dan that mad, and I don't think Dan 
would care that he had like a weird side practice in his psychology department. I think it has to be something like that. Like he was cheating or he had like a, I don't know, another family. It's something crazy. So, um, Melody also opens up and she's just like, yeah, "Yeah, I know how you feel. My mom left me at a church and she didn't leave me with anything other than this ring that I wear on chain, like I'm Frodo Baggins around my neck (laughs) and she shows him. Um, so obviously this ring's going to become important, but he, she shows him the ring, the one ring, (laughs) and she talks about her mom a little bit. This is information that Dan knows, but it's really interesting seeing it come from Melody for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She describes that she needs to hold on to the ring just cause like, you know, if she holds on to it, maybe she could forgive her one day. And And she if he forgave uh, his father, to which he's like, not yet. Mm-hmm. And not she yet. also mentioned that she couldn't forgive her mother. Yeah. And she says, not yet. And I was thinking, you mean not ever, because you <laughs> did. Um, and this is the point where Dan just unloads all of this onto to Melody, the truth. Mm. He tells her that he knows she knows his father Steve mm-hmm. Turner to which she's like Steve Turner Dr. Turner he's like yeah she's like no he only has one son and he's like yeah it's me and it's just mm. it um, she's, she, she spirals she's just like alright but that's dumb no it doesn't make sense how do you even know my doctor's name his son is way too young for that that's crazy I, I don't, and then all the lights flicker because she's starting to put the pieces together that she's dead. Like, this is evidence that she's not here right now. Yeah. Something weird is happening. Yeah. And I think it breaks whatever spiritual connections they have. And he just wakes up yeah. well, in the room. But he is he in the room and. He doesn't hmm? wake up in the room. He, the, the lights go off. Well, he doesn't yet. And he He's turns there. Yeah, he, the lights go out. He calls for Melody. He turns on the light. She's not there, but the book and the um the tape are still there. So that in that interaction is legit. Meant something. <laughs> and I don't know how that tape got there because he smashed it. <laughs> and so he looks through the book, the composition book, and he just scrolls and it says T Bellows. He's like, what? So. He opens up a closet, turns on the light, and he sees stacks and stacks of books. And he's going through everything. And at the end, it's always T-Bellows, T-Bellows, T-Bellows. Until he finds one book with just one, like a set, like five numbers on every row and and three columns. Like an Excel spreadsheet without the the lines. And Somebody went through the trouble of typing in over 4,000 combinations. Yes. Until they got to four thousand and what four oh five nine three? Something like that. Yeah. That was the combination with a circle April 5th, around it. Nineteen ninety-three. <laughs> when Melody dies? Uh maybe. But there's a circle. Maybe. Circle mm-hmm. around it. And he it, he puts it together. That's the combination to the basement. 
So Melody, whether she meant to or not, helped him get the combination for the basement. <laughs> and he ran down there, pun- punched it in, and voila, it opened. T. Bellows, whoever this person is, knew mm-hmm. what the combination was. And inside <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the basement, this Dan went wild. He got in. He got the, the combination correct. He's inside the room. He's been trying to get into that. Virgil showed him, and he just goes wild. He starts going through every foul. He found a foul of S. Turner, and mm-hmm. as he's going through this, we get a conversation in the background between Dan and Mark. What he's finding is what he's retelling Mark mm-hmm. later on. Um, I want to see. Oh. Mark and him are now talking about it, but the title of the research he found from his father is Night Terrors, Paranormal Perception in Non-Schizophrenic Adults. <laughs> Kooky. Yeah. Mark and him are spe- speculating on whether or not this is the thing that got him to hot water with the psychology department because it's like parapsychology because it's mixing in the supernatural with the psycho- psychological it's like pseudoscience at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mark, as he always is, is a boy. And he's just like, you know, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Right? He has an open mind. Why would you fire him for that? Yeah. And he, <clears throat> which is, you know, yeah, why would he? My thing is like, you're using our money to fund this research. You know, mm-hmm. that, that that's the only way I could see it. Or maybe he stumbled onto something that he shouldn't have. That's that's what I'm going for. What is this? Something. Uh, and this is New York. He works at NYU, but Samuel's cult people that we assume his doctor friends are at Cornell, I think. Mm -hmm. So now we can't say that he was stumbling onto something they found out and they try to axe him out because it's two different universities. Mm -hmm. But. This cult can go deep. I mean, who knows? Yeah, that's true. Something else Dan finds that's very interesting mm-hmm. is a ring. He finds Melody's ring. Yeah. As well as a bunch of other wool, like Waller or wool, whatever the artist's name is. Oh, yeah, wool. Their artwork. Some remains of the artwork. Mm-hmm. He finds a weird tooth bowl that I mentioned earlier that's there. Yo. A lot of things survive that fire. Mm-hmm. Yo, what of the yeah. statues in the house? Yeah, I do not want to see that thing again. I hate that statue. If that statue, that would make sense why he's able to do all that shit in the house. The spirit hopping. Yeah, yes. that would make sense. Yes, they kept that thing. Mm. And we're probably going to find out that the the Charon Comet is like going to shoot soon. <laughs> yeah. It's coming around again. Probably. Every couple, every like 20 years, it comes around. Yeah, the 25 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or 23, if they want to stick with like Stephen King lore. Or is it 26? 27? Mm-hmm. Could be. I, I need to know that. Because <laughs> it's the same number as Jeepers Creepers. I remember that. Like, it's the same number of years. I think that's 27. But yeah. Let's say you're right. <laughs> so he finds her necklace with a ring around it. 
he finds her journal and of course he's like okay cool we're gonna check this out one thing of note is that he's putting his fingerprints all over everything so yeah i'm sure and i I feel like virgil's the type of person that'll (laughs) that'll look at that and he'd be like hey got your fingerprints on everything uh why were you in my room why are we in my secret super secret room so, but I don't know if he'll do anything about it. I mean, he already caught him going off the rails. He didn't fire him. Yeah. His defense was, "You're not going to fire me." And like that was it. That worked. It's true. You were right about the 27 years, by the way. Just so you know. 27 years. Go rip. So, mm-hmm. in that conversation with Mark, uh, Dan wants him to look for T Bellows. Any information mm-hmm. you can find on T Bellows, that'd be great. Um, and they also speculate on this uh, that that paper might have been the reason that uh, Dan's father got terminated. I think Dan should sit down and read his father's research. Then I think, yeah. Um, I don't know. And those books seem important. I really want to read that. Maybe maybe season two will be about whatever T Bellows research was, right? I gotta I gotta think that this will be a anthology series. That'd be cool. Like T Bellows wasn't researching what happened with uh um uh Melody, but something else. Yeah. And then she'll have a similar experience, but she'll be talking to Dan. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um what else? Yeah, so Mark starts asking about Dan's health, mental health. Are you okay? Like, do we need to... Because I know you wanted Melody to be alive and she's dead. And Dan quickly is like, no, nah, dude, I'm fine. Don't, I'll, I'll, I'll call you soon. And then he hangs up. And then Mark is just like, well, thanks, man. I was just trying to be sensitive to your feelings, dick. So... Yeah. Cause it was a very, like... <laughs> angry friend thing to say yeah. or it's just like yeah i can tell you guys are close it's kind of why i like mark's character yeah he just he just feels like a real person and not that every other actor doesn't feel like a real person but it he, mark talks in a way where it doesn't seem like it's an actor performing it just yeah. seems like somebody who got caught on camera <laughs> like he doesn't know he's in a movie <laughs> yeah or t- he TV seems series. so real that's why he's so endearing yeah. So Mark is walking up to the stage, I guess, to get ready and do sound checks and all that for his podcast. Mm-hmm. But there's this old man there wandering the stage. Mark is like, the show's not for another hour, buddy. Um, you can get tickets at the front, but you can't just be in here. And the old man just seems to ignore him. He's just like, yeah, it's a nice place you got here. And it's revealed as he walks out of the light that it's Virgil. The man who hired Dan. Virgil Davenport. The richest name in the world. So he walks out. And Mark is like, okay, guy. um, I do my podcast here. The building's owned by my dad, so it's not for sale. And Virgil makes a point to say everything's for sale. (laughs) Because I'm a rich, rich man. To which he he introduces himself, right? Yeah, Virgil Davenport. Yep. And Mark already knew, is like, oh, 
this is this is fucked. <laughs> the situation's fucked. But Mark doesn't doesn't let down, right? Even mm-hmm. even when Virgil takes a swipe at him, it's like, oh yeah, there's a pretty good uh, spot you have here for uh, for your podcast that uh you know <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that I'm sure your daddy's paying for. But he starts inquiring about Dan, and as we know, Virgil doesn't pull punches. He will tell you straight, straight. Yeah, I I know you, Mark, and <laughs> I don't know, like I, I can find anything about you. And he's like, look, I know you've been talking to Dan. And Mark's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't contacted, like, we haven't talked about anything of what he's working about. And he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's like, it's okay. Um, I'm worried about his mental health. I know what happened, uh, what, like, not eight years ago, but there was an amount of time where... After his bad breakup with uh with this girlfriend, Dan was in a bad place. He wasn't eating, he wasn't hydrating, he wasn't sleeping, nothing. It triggered a lot of abandonment issues that he had when from when he was a child. So Mark did the reasonable thing and checked him into somewhere for he so he can get help. Uh Virgil knows this. And he's like, yeah, I know he did that on on your dime, and you paid for every cent. Well, your daddy paid for every cent, didn't he? And it does mm. such a like swipe, you know what I mean? Like, it's like your daddy has the money, not you. Don't pretend like you do. And I'm sure his podcast is fine. Come on. <laughs> so, but he did have yeah. a million dollar loan from his dad, so. of course, to the cent, to the T. So Virgil. Uh, just look, I'm just concerned over Dan and Mark and his, and his mental health. And and Mark's just like, look, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) You know where you came in. You know how to get out. Bye. And Virgil's like, thank you for your patience and walked, was walking out. And Mark just couldn't help himself because Virgil did it in such a way that you you had to say something. You couldn't just leave it like that. You couldn't just watch him go out. Virgil just walked with that swag. And Mark was like, ah. Like, all right. He starts talking. <laughs> um, He's like, why do you give a shit about Melody yes. and some stupid school project? Why? And he spills the beans that he knows all about it. Which was a bad move because Virgil responds with, that's confidential. So he in this give and take relationship, Mark did a lot of the giving, and mm-hmm. Davenport didn't do any of that. <laughs> Davenport got what he wanted, which seems to be, you know, the usual for this man. Yeah, and he always gets what he wants. And he responds to Mark by like, look. I'm always just a call away and gives him his card. So he's like, you can call me anytime. And I think he even, the reason uh, Mark told him to fuck off is that Virgil wanted him to update him on everything Dan was telling him. And I'm a spy. And Mark's like, I'm not your fucking spy. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so. Because <laughs> Mark's a good guy. But. 
he Mark received Davenport's card just in case, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're back. Uh, let's see. We're um we're at the night of the party. Cause, cause yes, so Dan's back to work. He's looking at a tape, mm-hmm. and in the tape, we see that Melody's getting ready for a party. Mm-hmm. Annabelle is Cassandra's party. They were invited. Annabelle and Melody were invited to a dinner party by Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Annabelle is playing with paint as Annabelle does. She got a big jar of paint from Cassandra, and she is utilizing it. She's having fun. She seems happy and normal. She's just like, yeah, feels like I'm time traveling with this stuff. Ooh, mm-hmm. crazy. I'm painting colors. Yes. And then she starts to criticize Melody's dress. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and then she says some stuff about, like, who are you trying to look good for? Th- those people that you're seeing in your sex dreams. <laughs> and Melody's just like, they're not sex dreams. Stop being weird. They're just these conversations I keep having. Uh, this reoccurring dream. Um, and she's just like, right or not, I'm going to go upstairs. All right, are you going to come up? And she's like, fine, I'll come in a few minutes. I don't like being on time because I'm not a gringo. I'm going to show up when I want. Mm-hmm. So Melody leaves her, but it's very important to note that Melody is um, having dreams about having conversations. Yes. Which gives a whole lot of weight to the stuff that's been happening to Dan um, making it seem like those conversations really aren't in Dan's head. Mm-hmm. They are really happening. So they're both having these conversations and in their dreams. So that's awesome. In this timeless limbo, yes. like dreamscape. Yes. Wild. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, Mel- uh, Annabelle was too concerned about her painting or she was just having too much fun. So she's going to show up later. And Melody goes stag. She goes to the party in Cassandra's apartment alone. Luckily, she walks in and sees a friendly face. She sees Jess. And I am very concerned because Jess is dressed up in a cute little pink dress. That's fine. She's wearing Eleanor Wool's necklace. I don't like that. I don't like her wearing that memorabilia. I don't like that she had possession attacks earlier. I I really feel like they're going to make Eleanor's spirit possess Jess. Yeah. And like overtake. <laughs> That's what I think this is going toward. Yeah. It's not it's not cool. And just in time for the comet to show up in two weeks, right? Yeah. Very interesting time. So Melody is greeted by Cassandra. Cassandra walks in the room right after she sees Jess. And Cassandra's like, oh, you brought your camera. And Melody's like, is that going to be a problem? Because I only want to be here for my project. (laughs) And Cassandra's being super cool all of a sudden. She's not being really weird. She's like, no, we're all performers in some way or another. We're all going to like the attention. It's going to be fine. Why don't we put on some music, huh, fellas? And she puts on uh, Into Each Life, Some Rain Must Fall, which is a song from... Fallout 4, all right? It's a really old song, but it's in Fallout 4. If you played Fallout 4, you've heard that song. I can't sing it or hum it to you, but Mm -hmm. 
you know the song. Just look it up. It's gonna. It's in that game. As soon as I started playing it, I got flashbacks and like the urge to turn on that game and boot up my ancient PS5. <laughs> so yeah, party guests start to arrive. We get introduced to some new people. Yes. Who get a brand new interview session. Um. And we get introduced to Patricia Marston, who lives in the building. So Patricia Marston lives in the building for a long time, since the 60s. Yeah. So she's going to be a really good person to interview because she might be able to tell us a little bit about Melody's mom, who we've been searching for and trying to get answers from. Through the suggestion of Cassandra, right? Way, mm-hmm. way back in the beginning of the episode at when in the interview, Annabelle spilled the beans. Annabelle said, Hey, um, Melody's looking for her mother, Julia Bennett. And Melody's just like, Why the fuck did you say that? And Cassandra had a real interesting reaction. There was a stare, there was a pause, there was an inhale, and she's like, eh, I don't remember <laughs> you know <laughs> uh yeah. my memory's going you know i don't really remember um but i'm having a dinner party there's gonna be people old people from that that lived here for well, not old people but like people who've lived here in the building uh way back when um you can interview them and ask them mm-hmm. so melody is this is why melody is at this dinner party patricia is one of those people and she was asked about Julia Bennett, but Patricia didn't really know. What she did reveal, though, is that she used to be a secretary, I, I believe. And she um, she has... Is retired. Yeah, retired. She, she's wearing a pendant of the uh, symbol on the building and the, and the box containing the statue. And mm-hmm. she records soap operas right now in her spare time, and because she thinks that they're sending her messages, these soap operas, something sending her messages, and when on these VHS on these VHS tapes, yeah, and when, I don't know if it's just soap operas. Is it just soap operas she's recording? I think so. Uh, I think she says soap operas and other stuff, but mm-hmm. just like, um, what was it? Uh, Melody starts inquiring like oh who who's trying to send you a message and I think Patricia kind of just like I can't straight really up, say right she straight out says I shouldn't say oh yeah and she looks dead in the camera and she's like who's got any messages I shouldn't say <laughs> and this really interests Dan Dan like sits at forward a little bit he sits at the edge of his seat because this is interesting stuff Yeah, we have another cultist here Yes, and then um, she she pops the question about her mom. She's just like, "Hey, um, have you heard of Julia Bennett since you've been here for a while? Do you remember her at all?" And she kind of just like does some word salad because I don't know what she means by this. She says, "Port Charles." She had a twin, Penelope. Like it was really random. I don't know what those words mean. Me either. And she just starts talking about other people who used to live in the apartments. Um, Helen Young, 5A. She just keeps rambling word vomit. Yeah. 
Or you know what? Helen Young might be the next person. And I might have just been misinterpreting that from the subtitles. I don't know, maybe. Um, I don't know. It definitely But she doesn't answer vomit. the question. Yeah, it's word yeah. vomit. Like we don't we mm-hmm. don't understand uh what that meant, but she walked away. And then we get another interview with another woman. This is Helen Young. Yeah, okay. This is definitely Helen Young. So we get an interview with an older Asian lady named Helen Young. Um she is friends with Tamara in some way because they seem to know each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says that she helped Tamara out with the masks because um, that's Helen's job. She makes masks, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and then Melody's like, yeah, you did that for the cult thing, right? And uh, Helen's like, you mean for the opera? Don't <laughs> insult me right now. Yeah. Um, so her and Melody didn't really get off to a good start. She asks her point blank, are you part of the secret society that, you know, meets in the community room? And then Helen, like, makes note of the camera and she's like, I'm going to go. And she just leaves. <laughs> Something suspicious is happening, guys. Another Something weird. Another is trivia is if, because, uh, you know, we always have our random references. Uh, mm-hmm. Helen Young is played by Emmy colleague Caligato and mm. she was in Malcolm in the Middle as Francis's wife Piama. <laughs> That's where I know her from. <laughs> oh my god. I knew I knew her face. <laughs> That's crazy. That like, is Piama. Yes, I was like that's her for sure. Just the way she like I don't know, her acting was just like, oh yeah. Yeah, I remember that mm-hmm. from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> yep. But, to be a certain age to have watched Malcolm in the Middle. Yes, we love to show our age in every podcast that we do. Yeah. I will make note that I only saw that series last year. All right, <laughs> I never watched it when I was younger. Oh man, sometimes I like to go back to it. There's just something about that, and there was a lot of like, oh. what? No, I'm saying it, it was good. Like I loved it last year. It's just like I never saw it before. Like during that time, there was like a lot of similar shows that had that same. Uh, swag, like uh, mm-hmm. War at Home, um, Grounded for Life had that too. But I don't mm-hmm. know, nothing quite hit it like Malcolm in the Middle. Watching it really made me appreciate that one episode of WandaVision where they referenced that <laughs> title sequence. Oh, yeah, life is unfair. Yeah. It's a theme song from Malcolm in the Middle for everyone who and clearly it, doesn't know what that is. It might as well be the the slogan for this show. So is life's <laughs> not fair right now. And so Mel- they carry on with the yeah. yeah. Melody is not getting the answer she wants, but it's dinner time, so everybody's sitting down, and now we see Sam come in, and he's not alone. He found the guest of honor, Evie <gasps> Crest. If I believe. Evie Crest is a young actress. Yes. Who bought two paintings from Eleanor. That Eleanor had. Eleanor Waller. And uh, Cassandra was like, all right, let's do this. (laughs) Come, come over, you know, let's, we'll have a dinner in your honor. Thank you for buying this. Um, which is, and that whole interaction is interesting, right? I'll I'll give a speculation. 
but a later why, on. Why is why is this actress here? And more importantly, Zombie and I kind of forgot, but uh, Dan was definitely like, "What's going on? Why is she there?" And we completely forgot <laughs> that in the first episode, she was the one who hired him to restore old film, an old film that's going to get talked about. And mm-hmm. I mean, we could say the name. They said it in the first episode. Hmm. It's a circle. Yeah. <laughs> Not the Emma Watson movie that came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a different circle. Gotcha. So they sit down for dinner and they start conversing, right? And they're really digging into this. Uh, so Evie starts talking about like her father, and then they they start slightly pulling these like asking her these questions that you could tell they 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 really just invited her for these answers. Um, one of them. Side side note. Wait, before you get into that, yes. Samuel does a real weird nice guy thing where, like, pretend nice guy. He leans over to Melody and he's like, Cassandra usually doesn't let men stay to these things. Um, but she didn't kick me out and I'd feel rude leaving. So I already have to sit next to me the entire night because I know how creepy I was. I don't know. It was just weird. He's, like, starting a conversation with her when I think the right thing to do if you know somebody is mad or creeped out by you, is not talk to them. <laughs> I think that would be the correct answer, but that's not what he did. Or not play victim to everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I know you're mad at me, and that's your problem, and I'm sorry that I am anchoring you with my presence. Yeah. Like, like No, just acknowledge that you did something wrong and be done. Yeah. Like, you know, say an awkward hi and help her with something and then move on. And then, you know, it's like maybe I'll sit next to him. But, or choose a different seat. <laughs> anyway, um, so they start like they start talking about William Crest, right? Evie Crest's father, and yes, they eventually just start start so like start asking her soft questions about the film, The Circle, by asking her mm-hmm. like, oh, they're about the film that never got out you know like, oh, there was a circle and we recognized mm-hmm. that the circle was a film that was based on a, not based on it just looked like a like like a ritualistic practice where they sacrifice a little girl and um by slitting her throat and jumpy and i were just like that doesn't look fake <laughs> are you sure that was a film like for hollywood because yeah. it looks been... real yeah but um Evie kind of confirms that, yeah, it was a film, but it was based on a real snuff film that was made in Los Angeles. Sandra brings that up. She does. She's just like, is it true or false? Wasn't it based on a snuff film? Yeah. She looks around the room like this is normal party conversation. (laughs) And then, yeah, like you said. Evie confirms that yeah, it was kind of based off a snuff film. Which uh, it was something her father was looking into into the occult. And which is something like she also said that her mom believes it was a hoax. It wasn't a like a real film. But everybody in that room was like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> and um 
so so like they they keep just getting into it about this film and and every like kind of um this passing just like you know like you know ever since dad's accident we couldn't and then <laughs> tomorrow was like suicide it was suicide it wasn't an accident and helen young is just like are you fucking kidding me tomorrow Mm-hmm. And then she's like, look, uh, Evie was like, all right, everybody rules it a suicide. I just can't come to turn, like, just, I can't say that because the way he cared for us, the way, like, he loved us dearly, he wouldn't just do that. Nothing, nothing about it made sense. And then Cassandra's like, hey, you know what we could do? We could do a seance. <laughs> we got Beatrice she's a medium and Beatrice if you don't remember she's one of the first people that Melody interviewed and she did the uh, Beatrice did the tarot cards and pretty much confirmed that she had a troubled past um, she's here on a mission and her future there's death but you know death can uh, mean multiple things and not just your death it could also mean death. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one thing we glossed over before we move on to this, because yeah. this is a big scene. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> um, when she was talking about her dad, Cassandra Red was prying for information about the movie. Like, are you sure there was no other copies of the film? Yeah. And like, Evie was very clear that they have the scripts, but any copies of the film? No, there was no copies at all. And Cassandra's like, you surely must be mistaken. There has to be one copy, right, <laughs> of the circle. And then she looks directly at Samuel. And they have this weird, like, glance at each other. And she keeps prying. Every time she pries, she looks at Samuel. Yeah. And I think they're hunting for this circle film. Of course. So that they could know how to do the ritual properly. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's a fact at this point. Um, but, I- yeah, like you said, they, they talked about... Her dad and that they should do a Sam. Yeah. And was it uh and this is where it gets good, because they do the fucking mm-hmm. seance. Evie was just like, Okay, let's do this, whatever. You know? What's the worst that could happen? And A lot of things. <laughs> so As they So they get As they get ready. Yeah, they yeah. get ready, right? Like they uh met uh uh Beatrice just like you know oh and i think um before the seance there's something to happen melody takes this opportunity she grabs a like a a sewing needle or or Mm a pin and she walks over to the armoire starts fiddling with it to try to open it and sam is just like doing this again is this is what you do like some stupid comment some slick right it was like you're making a habit out of this yeah and then she's like, no, 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 don't, you know. Just... And then Sam just pulls out the skeleton key. He's like, allow me. He opens it up and we see a statue. And it's a statue I think was confirmed to be of Eleanor, right? Mm-hmm. And but it doesn't seem like the statue not, I saw. It's not the statue. It is not the statue. I just don't think it is because the statue I saw looked like it was moving. This doesn't, this looks like a normal ass statue. Yeah. This is a normal ass statue. That she probably knew that because Ellen, um, Melody was just trying to pry in there. She's like, oh, she's probably going to pry that shit again. 
So mm-hmm. better replace it. Yeah, they did something. It's somewhere else. It's not in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um, so now the seance begins. Beatrice is at the head of the table. Evie's to her left, and Melody's to Evie's left. So everybody's there. Um, uh, notably, Melody set up a tripod with the camera in the back. Mm-hmm. So that she doesn't have to operate the camera doing the seance, but she is capturing yes. all of this. That is so why... that Dan can watch it later. Yeah, so Dan can watch it. Like, this is for you, Dan. Um, mm-hmm. notice, noticeably absent is Annabelle. The man of her dreams. <laughs> Annabelle's not there, and that was concern to us, <laughs> but yes. apparently not to Melody. Because I guess, you know, she's used to it, whatever. So... They're all sitting there. Lights are dim. Candles are lit. Seance is happening. Here we go. Beatrice summons Evie's. She's calling for William Crest and saying Beatrice is looking for her, for him. And she repeats it a couple times and then we see lights flicker and she she gets possessed. And the way she's moving and acting... Cassandra kind of takes the the helm, and she's like, "Hey, uh, uh, ask him a question," and then she's like, "Daddy, daddy, daddy," and then tomorrow's like, rolls her eyes, like, "Ask him a question that only he would, you two would know." Have you never been to a séance before? Jeez, <laughs> like embarrassing. I know she's no patience this year, but um, Evie then's like. When I was six years old, you bought me a book. And then Beatrice. Yeah, for my sixth birthday. Beatrice starts quoting uh, quotes from this book. <laughs> quoting quotes. Starts quoting from the book, right? Like a, po- uh, like a poem. And then that's when. I am, I am nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. And then she said, shh, don't tell. And they're both in tears. They'd advertise, you know. I wasn't done. All right, it's <laughs> Emily Dickinson. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they both are in tears. And this is when Cassandra's like, yo, ask her about the tape. <laughs> ask your dad about the tape. And Evie's like. It was, it was, it was phrased so much worse because it's like. <laughs> Oh, we had this tender moment. She's crying that she had this moment with her dad. And she's like, oh my God, it's really my dad. It's really my dad. And Cassandra's like, ask him about the snuff film. Do it. Tell him. Ask him. And then she's like, okay. Snuff film. Where'd you see it? And she's like, Crawford. And then she's like, uh, Uncle Crawford? My godfather? He knew about this tape? Okay, that's weird. And then Cassandra's like, ask him where is it? Ask him if there's another copy. And she sneaks a glass a glance at Samuel when she does it. And Beatrice, as what we could say is possessed by William at this point, starts mm. crying. Tears are like and starts shaking shaking the head. And mm-hmm. William is like, stay away. Stay away. Stay away from and then that was it. And it gets a lot crazier when he starts saying stay away it starts to sound like two voices yeah. melding together the lights start flickering like crazy 
it's it's for real guys like the in the context of this show this really happened yeah so keeps going well beatrice is well, she lost him yeah she's done mm-hmm. she's like i, I can't this the spirit is gone i can't contact him sorry and they're like okay that was creepy but let's end this and then cassandra's like but uh melody why don't you look for Julia Bennett, your mother? And Melody rightfully is like, no. She's like, why not? Because my mother's not dead. She's like, well, there's only one way to find out now, isn't there? <laughs> and Melody kind of just like, fine. Here. Fine. And she switched she's with I, Evie. I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah. I want to get the fuck out of there. Uh, but she she somehow agreed to it. The challenge, I guess, made Melody be like, all right, whatever. I'll do it. I don't care. I'm not dead. I'm going to prove it. Yeah. And then... um, And then she gives the, the ring to Beatrice. And mm. Beatrice calls upon Julia Bennett. Melanie Pendris is looking for you. Julia Bennett. <laughs> Please come to the office, Julia Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> Your lost child is looking for you. Oh. And she never showed. Nope. The spirit does not belong to the land of the dead, is what Beatrice said. Mm-hmm. But she did pick up something. And as she's about to turn and get possessed, the footage pauses. And we hear the voice, who's that? And Dan freaks out, turns around, and we see Melody. Yes, crazy. And he is seeing her with his waking eyes. And Dan gets like a quick flashback to um, uh, his sister telling him that that ghosts are just lost and they're trying to find their way to be patient. So this is what he decides to do with Melody, which I don't suggest, but Melody, it's like, oh, who's that supposed to be? I think I know her or knew her. And Dan decides to come clean because she's like, he's like, do you remember my name? It's like, yeah, you're Dan. But she never says Dan Turner. So we can assume that this is a different, like, she doesn't know at this point that something's up, right? She knows the the majority of the dream, but to her it's a dream. Yeah. But she's missing some of the little details from the dream, Yeah, which is normal because they're dreaming. <laughs> so Dan just comes clean, like, look, this is footage. I restore footage for a living. I am, <laughs> uh, what was it? Yeah, I I restore footage for a living. And it's your footage. It's your footage. Yeah, this is this is the night you, um, I'm restoring this footage because I'm trying to find out what happened to you. And Melody had inquired, like, I'm supposed to, I'm here for you for a reason, and I don't know what that reason is. And then he's like. You know, tell me. He's like, oh, I'm here. I think I'm supposed to ask you for help. I don't know what I'm supposed to ask you for help on. 
And then that's when a dancer's coming clean about everything. And he's like, oh, this is your footage. And then she walks over and she finds her old notebook and starts looking through it. And she's very angry, even though she assumed that the composition notebook that she found in the other room was his and so was reading through it. But apparently that's that's fine. But when when Dan does it, it's apparently that's a big ass deal. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Also, what the hell did you do to my book, Dan? It looks twenty five years old. Because <laughs> yeah. she even mentions how it looks different. Yeah, it's like it's mine, but what you do to it? And he's like, look, fire happened in the visor. That's all that remains. Plus this footage. I'm trying to look for this footage. And your ring. Because she gets upset oh, that he stole her ring. Fine. Yeah, he ha- I, at that point, he had to like just just throw everything out there, right? Mm-hmm. And um, was it? Yeah. She's, and, she starts to freak out. She's like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, like, you, like what the fuck is wrong with you? You can't do it. Like, that doesn't make sense. What are you doing? What are you trying to tell me? And he's like, you died in that fire 25 years ago. I'm trying to find out what happened to you. Trying to find out what happened to my father. Trying to happen like all this shit, right? And she's just like, like fuck all this, fuck everything, and she like all the lights go off again except for the monitors, but then lights turn back on and she's gone, and the footage starts playing, and we go back to Beatrice and Melody. She, uh, Beatrice couldn't find, um. Julia Bennett but something she does does find she gets possessed and she starts saying almost word for word every conversation Dan and Melody has had in these dreams and Dan is freaking out (laughs) Dan is like no way and Melody in these, like, you know, like, oh, it's a bug, not a feature. What the fuck? Where'd you find this book? I, you died 25 years ago. The visitor's going to go on fire. I'm trying to save you. Blah, blah, blah. All this shit, right? Well, not I'm trying to save you. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to find out why it happened. And, like, all these conversations that they've had, like, uh, um, like oh, my, uh, my dad's Dr. Steven Turner. And... You're like, oh, but that was a long time. Like, that doesn't make sense. And Beatrice is saying these word for word. And Melody's just like, how do you know this? How do you know, how do you know what um, is going on in my dreams? And, and Dan hears a, this. A lot of the conversation that she just reiterated, that Beatrice is just rolling off dialogue, it's the stuff we just heard. Yeah. Not like... We literally just heard them fight about the ring and all that. Yes. And tell her that she's dead. Yes. Because that's what Beatrice is on now. She's like, you're dead. Hmm. You died in a fire 25 years ago. And obviously Melanie's freaking out. And she said, like, how, how do you know this from my dreams? And Dan she's puts, not the only one. <laughs> Dan puts it together. I am communicating with this girl. And he runs out. He runs to the to the woods and he calls up Mark, and, he, and Mark picks up. Cool, and they have this conversation. Um, Mark, uh, 
he's like, look, I didn't tell you this before, but I've been seen yet. Yeah. I'm just saying notably, he left the tape playing. Yes, he did. I'm just saying that's crazy. Well, that's how excited he was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so he tells Mark, Hey, uh, I haven't told you this, but uh, I've been having these, uh, I've been seeing melody. At first I thought they were just me overworking and hallucinating all that shit. But then, um, I started noticing that she started saying stuff that I talked to her about. And then I thought she was just haunting me. And then now it confirmed through a seance that I just watched that I'm talking that that um her and I are communicating through dreams and I can save her. I can warn her about the fire if I look through these footages and figure it out, I can save her. And uh Mark is just listening to all of this and he's just looking down at Virgil's card. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good fucking move. If there's ever a time you kind of should rely on Virgil is when you hear all that. I also want to point out that we skipped a really powerful line between Virgil and Mark mm. when they were having their confrontation at the podcast theater. Virgil was like, I get what Dan gets out of the relationship with you two, that, you know, you're a strong rock, a strong shoulder for him to cry on, and you give provide a lot for him. But what do you get out of it? Mm. And Mark was just like, who says I need to get anything out of it? Yeah. Because Mark's a best friend man (laughs) and like mark even though he's about to make a big mistake and call virgil he's doing it from a good place the best thing mark can do is fucking just stay with uh dan the entire time Mm -hmm. watch all that shit with him that's the rock yeah and just ground him you know but Mm -hmm. we the audience know something fucked up is going on because we have access to the footages we have those scenes that we can see, but one scene that we have as the audience that Dan doesn't have, at least at the end of this episode, is we get a glimpse at what happened in the rest of the footage while Dan ran outside to, to tell Mark and his excitement. Mm. Something came over... Beatrice and I, I like to add before she started doing this um, after she called Julia Bennett nothing happened and then she started getting possessed her eyes rolled to the back of her head and then came back around mm-hmm. and it's like oh, okay this is real and then she says all that stuff about the conversation between her and Dan but then she starts saying no no something uh, something's not right um She's like, she starts screaming no and she starts clawing her face. She starts digging her nails into her cheeks and starts scraping down. Stop. And she goes higher to the top of her face. Everybody's freaking out. Tamara just grabs her, grabs her hand to have her, to help her stop. Everybody's in so much shock, but tomorrow's just like, hey, call a fucking ambience. Somebody call a fucking ambience right now. And then we cut to, um, Beatrice being, uh, uh, was it uh carried into a stretchered out into the the back of the ambulance, and Melody's in this other shock. Somebody just told her word for word what she's been what's she's been having dreams of, and she needs to know something. She was gonna get warned, like uh, it seems like Dan was gonna warn her about something, and she doesn't know what it is, and. She's just like, yo, 
uh, Beatrice, what is this? What happened? Where am I? But Beatrice is knocked out. She's probably sedated. And all the paramedics are like, all right, Melody, you need to back up. Let us do our job. job. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Like, you got to have to let this go because we got we got shit to do. Like, save this woman's life. Right. So that happens. Melody is just like, she doesn't know what's going on. She has to sit with this. And she does the only thing that she can do is go back to her apartment. To And you, you'd you think she'd go back to the apartment, the episode would end, because so much has happened, so much to think about. But one more big, <laughs> one more big thing happens. Because the question gets was, back. Yeah. why didn't Annabelle show up and watch all this, you know? Mm-hmm. Just like Mark is to Dan, we can kind of see that Annabelle is, that is to, to Melody. So... Mm-hmm. Well, we find that out because Melody walks into her apartment, turns on the light. I think, the, well, the other lights in the room. And we get a glimpse to a whole bunch of paintings of black circles. Like, not even Typ- circles. Typical just like, horror movie, like, sketchings. Yeah. Um, so apparently there was something going on with that, that weird Karenite paint that they had there. Mm-hmm. She's painting a billion photos, posting it all over the walls. And I was like, what the hell is going on, Annabelle? And Annabelle looks at her in a very serious, out of character tone. And she's just like, there's somebody in there. There's somebody stuck in there, Mel. And she continues painting. Yeah. And we cut to the room where the tape is being played back in Dan's timeline and it zooms into a photo one of the one of the sketches that she made and it zooms really close up to it and static starts to appear and you start to see a face you start to see a face or like a weird image i keep calling it sauron because it looks like mm-hmm. sauron from lord of the rings but like this weird face in the ske- in the static yeah it's a, like a ghost skeleton goat kind of thing <laughs> i hate it <laughs> so something some yeah awesome awesome way to end the episode that's how you do a fucking mid mid finale mm-hmm. you know uh, just not even a finale just like the mid season that's how you do it just mm-hmm. more fucking questions really hook you in because if i didn't love it before i love it now Oh yeah. So that was the end of the episode, by the way. Yeah. And we probably talked about this at the beginning, but we're gonna do it again because now I'm feeling that same feeling I had when <laughs> that episode ended. Uh. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Let's start off with Samuel, right? He's obviously <clears throat> like the male figure. He's the like the knight of this. We thought he was the mastermind, but it seems like he's the knight. Like, and Cassandra is the mastermind. We learned that last episode, but confirmed that this one, she is, like, the top of the food chain. The one who's desperate for this ritual to take place. Yeah. And Sam's the one going out there and getting everything together. Mm -hmm. So, so now we, I feel like we can confirm that he's not the, like, he's a big player, but not the, the, the head honcho. 
Lada's also involved with her music in some fashion. Yeah. Uh, Everyone's involved. Yeah, we start learning about the other people part of the, like Helen Young and Patricia, and mm-hmm. Beatrice. I found interesting that she was there because she was the one who brought up like, oh yeah, that sex cult downstairs. Mm-hmm. She was. It was. But so I'm surprised she was part of it. But that whole thing was on purpose, right? They brought Evie over so they can do a seance with her, so they can call William Crest, so they could find out where to get that film, because like Jumpy said, they're definitely gonna try to recreate the ritual, and probably in two weeks when the comet comes. Mm. Man. I don't know if this is going to, like, I don't know where this is going to go. I'm really hoping it goes to a place where Dan can help. But rarely in horror movies does it go somewhere that leads to a happy ending. Yeah, he, to me, he is thinking that, uh, like, he's he doesn't understand what's going on. You know? Nobody does. Yeah, like, he... <laughs> he like he thinks by prying into this further he's gonna like help and I think he's playing into their hand something's weird he might cause something bad to happen I don't know I mean it doesn't sound like um he's changing anything right these are ta- okay this is the whole time paradox things it's he was supposed to be there he was supposed to have these conversations with Melody and he was supposed to, because she says it in the videos, right? But then you can have the whole thing of maybe because he had those conversations that changed the videos. I don't know. Whatever. But it seems do you like... Think, what? Do you think Virgil knew how involved the Dan is with this story? Uh, some T-Bellows, right? What's up yeah. with that? They they're clearly researching something. I think it may be that T Bellows was researching something that Amara Bellows. Maybe. Could be. Amara Bellows and the groundskeepers Tamara. It was twenty five years. I mean that's a long time to age. I mean there's a lot more people in that in that uh building and only 13 died yeah it could be i mean i don't know but i i that's my guess so far i think he bellows tamara bellows maybe i mean that's the only person we know with the t right yeah but um maybe they're researching something else they said demon cult in their research something they hit something oh I think I got it. I think I figured it out. Okay. I think throughout Melody's project, she learns more and more about the cult. Mm -hmm. They find a copy of the circle. Mm -hmm. They actually find it. Melody records it. And that's why Virgil wants, Virgil and T. Bellows, Tamara Bellows, want Dan to restore it so that they can have a copy of it. But unbeknownst to Virgil, um, the job has already been done. 
Like he's already restored the circle. And when Dan realizes what happened, he's going to destroy his tapes, but also realize that he's already restored that film and he has to go back to the museum and destroy the, the version of the circle that he restored. Oh, or he might figure out that it's too late because the circle's already out there. That'd be interesting. That would be good if he if he realizes he has to destroy that movie, because that seems to yeah. be important. Well, the movie the it was based off of is what the what they want, right? Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean these people don't. Want, and of the thirteen people that, that died, we don't know if it was Cassandra, or Samuel, or Jess. <laughs> we only know that Melody died in that fight. Or Annabelle. And yeah. We don't know that either. We don't even know if Melody died. We do. <laughs> How? Uh, well, that's true. I mean, maybe she might have not cared that she uh, got her identity stolen. Maybe. Maybe she wanted to be, you know, maybe she got a new identity. To stay away from the cult. Yeah. And also, her ghost showing up. I mean, it's not like Dan's a ghost, so... Uh, there's something about uh, uh, something about Virgil that seems like like he doesn't. I don't think he's part of the cult. I don't know what it is about him. I don't know what his goals are. Yeah, yeah that's really fucking out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I can't see a way to to tie everything. You know. Yeah, to thread that needle, like to make this work. Other than Virgil being a part of the cult, Tamara Bellows works for him, and he's trying to restore footage of the ritual so that they can perform it properly. Uh, I don't know. Like, that does sound cool, but I just don't see Virgil being part of the cult. But, like, what would his motivation be? That's the thing. It makes more sense for him to be part of the cult, which makes me not think it's going to, that he's part of the cult. I think it's Also, something... why, did, why all the secrecy in his house? Why did he have T. Bellows shit there and he didn't mention anything? And that's the other thing. If he knew Dan was coming, why didn't he get rid of it? He also have the groundskeeper there. Why keep the evidence? In fact, the groundskeeper was trying to get him into that other room. Mm. I mean, interesting. That and that's where all the stuff is. And I feel yeah. Like... <laughs> Maybe that room is her room. That, you know, that's what I'm not about. What else? Uh... Stuff with Beatrice was insane. Um, super yeah. sad for her character. I mean, we're not seeing her again. Annabelle's gonna die. <laughs> We yeah probably we did mention it but Jess went home early thank God she didn't have to see that yeah Annabelle yeah I think she's gonna have a really tragic um downfall in the next episode or maybe the episode after that okay look the circle had the little girl sacrifice so I guess that's what Jess is there for yeah oh man I hate that. Hope just makes it out. Me too. Above and, anybody else, really. And then, what the the little uh, Dan's little sister would be like? Yeah, I see ghosts, and so does your dad. And then, what's up with the dad's 
like in involvement yeah that i can't that one i have no idea i don't know what his involvement is maybe during his psychological studies he came across some real stuff but that's the farthest i can go i don't know how he's tied to all this uh, it just sounds like every one of those people opened a door Handle that they box. shouldn't have Mm-hmm. And and you know everybody's having a different reaction to it. Jess opened the door without knowing it when she was born in the apartment. Um, yeah. Sam and Cassandra opened the door willingly, and, pro- and Eleanor too. And the the I think Beatrice is opening that door, and Dan and uh, Melody are opening that door as well. And I also think that. Um, that the dad opened that door. Well, why would the dad do it? For research, for study. So, yeah. You know, I guess so. I mean, maybe he didn't really think it was going to happen. And he regrets it. That's probably why he's been angry. I don't know. I wish I could keep watching to figure it out. They said he had a breakdown. Maybe he realized what he did. Maybe he had a breakdown because he was getting possessed. Then uh, we talked about T Bellows. We, oh yeah, um, fuck. There was one more thing I wanted to talk about. Oh yeah, more big plot point. I the statue's in the house for sure. For sure. Oh yeah. That statue is going to be in there, yeah. in the home, and that's why Dan is having these episodes. And I think that's what's been fucking with everybody in that in that research facility, and they don't know it. Yeah, I feel like that's correct. And I think, because Virgil, we have confirmation that Virgil's getting these videos too, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe he's starting to see some shit that he knows he shouldn't. And the best part would be if what he sees in the videos is not what Dan sees. If we have that confirmation, like Virgil's the straight man, and that's why he's been so concerned about Dan. That would be cool. Yeah. That would make Virgil's character a lot more interesting. Yeah. Virgil's like, I hired a crazy man. (laughs) (sighs) I hope it's that. I hope ghosts aren't real, and that's the, the moral of the story. That guy was just mentally ill, but I doubt it. Nah, that statue's there and it's fucking everything up. Killing everybody. Yeah, and I think Virgil, Virgil's going to realize it. And I want to see the significance of the song. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Any last words, Jumbie? Hmm. I got nothing. <laughs> so much. All right. And with that, yeah. with that said, um, mm-hmm. thank you for joining us in another episode of Phantoms of Silver Screen podcast. If you like this episode, please check out our other content that we have may provided. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us a like, subscribe, anything that to show a follow, anything that shows that you care because we care. We care about you. And we hope you have 
an excellent, excellent day. Bye. Bye.